Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, because of who wrote it, uh, the majority of the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon, who was the son of King David. And King David, of course, is the guy who uh, killed Goliath with, uh, with uh, or defeated Goliath with a, a sling and a stone. And, uh, and so Solomon, who was known to be the wisest man who ever lived, penned the majority of this book. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting. And, uh, and for many years, another, another thing that I've loved about this book is that there are 31 chapters in this book. What that's meant for me and you, really, is that there are, are, for the most part, 31 days in a month. And it's very easy to dive into the book of Proverbs and say, all right, I'm going to take one chapter for every day of the month. That means on the first, you can read chapter one. On the second, you can read chapter two. On the third, you can read chapter... Yeah, see, that wasn't a trick question. It just, keeps, it just goes sequentially. If you miss a few days and you land on the 10th, what chapter are you supposed to read? Yeah, just 10. You don't have to catch up. You can just keep reading it. And, and so you can add it to your daily uh, Bible reading and just, just, just whatever your daily selections are. Read, read the book of, uh, chapter of, in the book of Proverbs, whatever matches that day. It, it's really great to do that way. You really soak up all that it has to say because it has a lot to say. Now, here's this, our key verse for this uh, series. And really, the reason for this study is found in Proverbs 4.7. It says, wisdom is supreme. Wisdom is supreme, and, uh, and that means that it is like the top thing. It is the most important thing that you can go after. Get wisdom. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. So Solomon's telling us, hey, do whatever you have to to get it. Whatever price you're going to pay, whatever cost, whatever, whatever you feel like you have to leave your hand, understand it's not leaving your life, it's just leaving your hand for a moment, right? That, that if, you, if you pursue wisdom and understanding and pay the price, that, that will come back to you many fold. And so wisdom, as we look at it in this series, is, is not all about being smarter. It means, the, the Hebrews would have looked at that, that word wisdom, and it would have meant to them skilled living, so it's not just knowledge. A lot of us have knowledge. In fact, I would say a lot of us have a whole lot of knowledge that we haven't put into practice in our lives. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm the number one guy. You can talk to me about any of the diet crazes that are out there, and I can tell you all about them. But let me give you a side view. <laughs> I'm not a guy who puts all the knowledge that I have about diets into action. I'm just, I'm just not that. And, there, and, and many of you are the same way. But, but, but wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is skillful application or skilled living. There's a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom. In fact, check it out. Knowledge constructs the Titanic, but wisdom avoids the icebergs, right? Knowledge. We have knowledge. We understand how we can build the Titanic, but when it comes down to steering that thing, you need some wisdom. Otherwise, you're going to hit an iceberg and, and, and sink, Knowledge builds a house, but wisdom builds a home. So there's a vast difference. If you think building a home looks like getting married and making babies, that's not what builds a home. 
You, you can build a house, but if you want to make, build a home, that takes a lot of work. And God has a lot to say about that in particular. Knowledge understands God, but wisdom walks with God. So listen, my goal isn't to get you to come to church and hear a message on this and to fill your head with more stuff, more knowledge about God. That, that's not what I want. What I want for you to do is to know him. I hope, my hope and my prayer for you all this week, even this morning, is that you would encounter God. You would experience his presence today. And as a result of that, he would change your life. He would open your heart to all that he has to give you. See, now that, that's wisdom. You've encountered, you've experienced God. And allowing him, you become pliable. You, you begin to allow him to speak into your life. And the main idea of this whole series is that, is, and is that wisdom, all wisdom, comes from God. In fact, God is wise. He knows it all. There's this word that we use to reference him. It's omniscience. Omni means all, and omniscience, well, that means he knows it all, right? He, it's knowledge. He's got it all. He, he knows everything that's happened, that will happen. He knows what's going on right now. He knows what you did last night. He's omniscient, and he's given a way for us to understand his ways through his word. Billy Graham said this about, about knowledge and wisdom, that knowledge is horizontal. In other words, that's me and you. We can transfer knowledge back and forth between each other. That's simple stuff to do. But wisdom is vertical. It comes down from above. In, or, in other words, in order to have real wisdom in your life, you're going to have to connect with God first. And this series is important because there's a trend today of people who are are steadily learning and teaching and, and spreading this news that, hey, you need to rely on yourself. You, it's all about you. You can do it. It's, it's just about you. And, and along the process, they lean on their own understanding and they begin to try to correct God. And it becomes all about, well, here's what the Bible says, but this is what we know, right? And they begin to argue with that. And honestly, if that's where you're at, if you're in that, following that trend, I'm going to tell you it's not going to turn out too well for you. In fact, I don't even have to try to convince you. If you continue to walk in your own ways, you'll be back. <laughs> you'll be back because what you'll find is not what is best for you, and you're not going to enjoy it. You'll come back. In fact, the Bible says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So here's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to help you understand the book of Proverbs and uh, today, I'm going to give you the first of five bits of wisdom. And then each week you come back, I'll give you another, all right? And as we look at the Proverbs, you'll find that the first nine chapters are simply a case for wisdom. The, the author, Solomon, is trying to convince you in those first nine chapters that wisdom is supreme, that it's worth its pursuit. And if that fascinates you, I, I would tell you, go home, spend 15 to 20 minutes. That's, that's all it'll take for you to read chapters one through nine. And even if you're not gonna read those, let me tell you, every man in this room, you need to read chapters five, six, and seven. Because if you'll read that and you'll apply it, it'll save you a whole lot of heartache. Trust me on that. There's a call to follow God's wisdom in it that you don't wanna miss. But the first nine chapters tell you what wisdom is all about. But then we get down to chapter 10, and, and it begins all the Proverbs, all the one-line sayings, the, 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 the sayings about your marriage, about your finances, about your time, about humility, about your kids, and about your marriage. 
And for those of you that are, that are OCD, it's going to drive you crazy because they're not organized or categorized in any particular way. They just kind of come at you the way they are on the page, one saying after another. In fact, I, I found a whole lot of Proverbs that I love and that I, I say and that I've got in my life. They're all good, but one of my favorite ones is found in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. He says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own ways. Now, hold up a second, Solomon. You just told me not to answer a fool, and then you told me to go ahead and answer a fool. It's like, go home, Bible, you're drunk. I'm not sure what you want me to do. Which way am I supposed to go? Now, now there's a reason that it's written that way, but, but at face value, when you read it like that, it's like, I'm confused. You want me to answer the fool, or you don't? So... Anyway, if you want to talk to me about that, I can share with you about that. But there's, but there's a whole bunch of sayings from chapter 10 on. But the first nine are really, really going to help us. In fact, there are several characters that are mentioned there that will help us understand Proverbs and get started. Four types of people that are found there. The first one is the simple. The simple. Now, before you get upset, this is not God calling people a bad name, all right? That, that's not what's happening here. The, the simple are those that are not wise because no one told them. They, in other words, they're naive. They're clueless. They do what they did because they just simply didn't know, right? It's not that they knew better. They just simply had, didn't have enough life experience. Proverbs 7, 7 says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, right? So it's young people, a youth who had no sense. Parents, can I get an amen right there, right? <laughs> But seriously, young people, don't, don't, don't be disparaged here. Listen, understand, understand that we all have a little simple in us every now and then. We think we know best. And all along the way, as we're walking out what we think is best, there are people that are trying to help us, tell us don't go that way or there's a right way to go. In fact, I sit with people all the time. That's the kind of conversation I have with them. It's like, listen, if you choose to do this your own way instead of God's way, here's what you're headed towards. And we'll talk about future pain. We'll talk about what they're headed for, that if they go that way. But if they go this way, this is God's way, right? And sometimes they choose to go the other way, and they just need to let life teach them that, hey, that, God's right. What he said in his word is right. That, that would have been better to do it that way. Some of them need to find out the hard way. To quote the philosopher Taylor Swift, <laughs> <laughs> says, when you're 15, in other words, you're young, and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Why? Well, because you're young, because you have no idea what, what real love looks like yet. And when, when, a, when a boy tells you they love you or a girl tells you you love you, you're ready to throw everything to abandon and pursue them. But there's people along the way that are trying to help us out. No matter what it is we're facing, hey, there's a better way. There's another route to go down, and we act like we know our best, but, but we really do. We need people to speak into our lives to help us. That's why we have grow groups. Do you know that the grow groups aren't here and intended to give you something to do during the week? That's not why we have them. We actually have them so that you can get into a group where you can get to know people, and they can get to know you, so that as you walk out this life and they see you headed towards danger, they can wave their arms and say, danger, Will Robinson, danger. You're headed down the wrong path. They can help you understand God's ways and so that you can walk in it. Trust those, especially trust those that have gone before you, especially students 
college-age students, newlyweds. Man, if you're walking into a new season of life, look for those that have gone before you. Don't be simple. Don't, 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 don't fall into the traps because you had no idea what you were going to face. Find someone who's walked there before. <laughs> There's a little simple in all of us. And you don't be offended by that. It's just simply true. A few years ago, I went to Las Vegas with my life, or with my wife, excuse me. <laughs> I guess she's my life. But my wife, and we got in town early, uh, or, or late that evening, excuse me. And, uh, and my wife and my friends who went with us, they, they went to the hotel and they were tired. And well, many of you know, I do sleight of hand and card tricks and stuff like that. And so there's plenty of magicians in Las Vegas that I had only talked to through uh, social media and through blogs and through email and stuff. And there was one guy in particular who was like, hey, I'll come get you your first night. Let's hang out. So I looked at my wife and I said, baby, please. She said, go on. So she went on up to the hotel and she went to bed. And I, I went out, I called my friend, and he was coming to pick me up. Now, at a hotel in Las Vegas, everything's big. I don't know if you've ever been there before or not. Everything's bigger than you can imagine. And the, the, the hotel's big, the lobby's big, the, the, the driveway as they pull up to get you, it's big. And, and they also had this, this little corridor from between the foyer, there's this corridor, and then outside, it's because it's hot in Vegas, and they're trying to keep it all cool inside, so they got double doors here. And I was sitting inside because, well, I don't like to sweat. And I was sitting in that little corridor. They had benches, and I was waiting on somebody to come pick me up. And there was a lady sitting there, and she was really attractive. And I, I didn't sit down next to her because she was attractive. I just sat there. And she strikes up a conversation. She says, you enjoying yourself? I said, yes. How about you? She said, oh, yeah, yeah. She said, your first time in Vegas? I said, yes. How about you? She says, no, I live here. Oh, did you grow up here? No, 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 I moved here for work. Really? What do you do? And she says, well, I'm an escort. In that moment, I should have known better. But I was simple. And I said, really? So in my mind, I imagined, like, you're, I said to her, I said, so you're the one that goes out on the guy's arm. You're the pretty girl that goes out to dinner with them, right, when they don't have a date. And she says, ah. She points back to the hotel she says, really, it's more of an up and down kind of thing, if you know what I'm talking about. And I said, now, now, don't judge me. <laughs> Promise me you won't judge me. I was sitting, turned towards her, talking to her like this. And as soon as she pointed to the hotel and did all that business, I was like, oh, really? That's interesting. Uh-huh. Started talking to her out of the side of my face. Now, listen, I wasn't judging her. I wasn't judging her at all. But there was two things I was thankful for in this moment. First that her phone rang and she had to go. Second, that my wife was nowhere to be found in that time. Because <laughs> I was talking to a prostitute and didn't know it, just in case you weren't clear on what was happening. <laughs> she didn't look like a prostitute to me. She just looked like somebody, everybody else is all dressed up too. I was simple. <laughs> we all have those moments. And really, the, the only cure for simple is experience. And experience is just connected to time. So the cure for the simple is time. That's why you need people to speak into your life because unless you've had that time, unless you've had all the experiences you need to have, there's plenty of experiences they've had that can speak into your own life. You need them. Here's the second person. It's the fool. Now, as you read through Proverbs, you're going to see this character a lot. And the fool is somebody who knows better but does it anyways. 
They know the risks, they know the dangers, they know the law, and they do it anyway, hoping that everything works out. Many of you know fools. Many of you may be sitting next to a fool. Don't point. It's not nice. That's not what we're talking about. We don't need you to do that, okay? <laughs> but many of us, even if you're not a fool, many of us have a little fool in us from time to time. We know what's right, and yet we choose to take chances. And here's the defense of a fool. This is why they go on doing wrong. Proverbs 10, 23 says, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. They enjoy it. Sin is fun. In fact, Hebrews, is one of the books in the New Testament, even says that. It says, it is fun for a season. But here's the thing about sin. It may be fun for some time, but it's eventually going to sting you. It's eventually going to get you. And some of you might be walking through that right now, where you're feeling the sting of your own sins. Fools think sin is fun. But the problem with a fool is, is they impact the rest of us. Watch this. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools, those of us that choose to hang around, people that are fools, a companion of fools suffers harm. Man, I think as a parent, that's why over the years, and you can probably tell me this, tell me you've done the same or not, but, but over the years, I've looked at some kids and told my kids, man, that kid is a fool. You need to stay away from him. He's going to get you in trouble. You're going to wind up. Show me your friends. I'll show you who you are. That kid's in trouble. That kid's doing drugs. That kid's doing blah, blah, blah. You're going to get yourself in trouble. You need to watch it. You wish you could turn down the, turn, turn down the dial of that, kid, that friend's influence in your kid's life, right? You, do, you just wish you could. You want them to hang out with kids that are wise so they can become more wise. And for us, if we hang out with fools, we become just like them and ultimately endanger ourselves. And every single one of us who has experienced harm from our own choices likely started with someone who encouraged you to do that foolish thing in the first place. Whether it was somebody that you idolized, somebody that you looked to, maybe it was a friend or a family member, you've watched them do it and you thought, man, this is the way to go. Even though you've been told otherwise, yeah, but, yeah, but they're doing it and it looks so cool. A fool, sadly enough, the only cure for a fool is tragedy. And many of us, we've been in that place where we've had to hit rock bottom. And that's when some of us decided to wake up. We decided that the pain of our decisions was too great. We decided it's time to make a change so that we can turn it around. In fact, I've spent time praying for people that I absolutely didn't know how to help because they knew better. They knew better and they still went the opposite direction. They had people in their lives waving their arms saying, don't go that way. And they still went. And my prayer shifts to, God, let them hit rock bottom as soon as possible, please. Don't let this be prolonged in their life. Let them hit that spot where they wake up and realize it's better with you, that your ways are better. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish they didn't need to hit rock bottom, but it simply is true. Now listen to me. I don't believe that God creates tragedy in our lives, but I do believe that he'll use it. And some of you know what I'm saying is true, especially if you're walking through it right now. For those of you that are, it's time to turn around. Like honestly, what are you waiting on? Why not now? Why not turn it around? 
Because every tragedy has a lesson equal in significance to its heartbreak. And that's the truth. But you need to know that redemption can happen still. No matter how bad the situation, God is a restorer. What that means is that God is willing to take the mess that you've made of your life and turn it into your message. That he's willing to take all that you've done, the pain that you've gone through, and he'll use it for his purposes, that as you walk this life, you'll walk with people who've experienced the same pain and the same comfort you've experienced in his grace, you'll offer it to others, and you'll restore them if you'll allow him to use your life that way, if. But that's why we have growth track here as a church. It, it, again, it's not just so that you can find purpose in your pain. It's so that you can understand that God has a purpose for your life. Yes, he wants to use your pain to serve others who are walking through that, but he wants to use your life, the totality of it, to make a difference in other people's lives. Growth track is for you. The third person that you'll find in Proverbs is the mocker. The mocker. Other times you'll, you'll see him written as the scoffer. And the fool is what my, my kids would call, he's the fool, but he's extra. You know what I mean? Like, he's so extra. He's, he, he's more than a fool. Why? Well, because he knows what's right, doesn't do it, and then will criticize you if you do what is right. The mocker uses criticism to control people. Now, here's the deal. You may have never encountered a mocker face-to-face, but if you've ever been on social media, you sure have. You know exactly who I'm talking about, too. It's that person who's just trolling people with comment after comment after comment. And what are they doing? They're lobbing this ammunition at people just to mess with you. And they're watching you lose their mind, but they're sitting at home like Michael Jackson with a tub of popcorn and just watching you melt down. They're trolling you, criticizing you, just to mess with you. Don't do it. Let me help those of you who say, well, I just can't help it. When people post things that are just so wrong, I have to comment. No, you don't. Look at what Proverbs 9, 7 through 8 says. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. No mocker's ever going to look at you and go, thank you so much. You just set me straight. I appreciate that. They're not going to do that. They're going to turn around and insult you back. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will love you, be friends with you. No, they'll hate you. You're not going to change a mocker by arguing with them. They won't change. They'll hate you more. So what do you do then? Well, if no one can help them, there's only one that can. The cure is God. The, The cure is God. And maybe you're here today and maybe that's you. And I'm not, trying, I'm not here trying to tell you anything. Here's what I'm going to do. If that's really where you're at, that's the place you're in, I'm going to encourage you to listen to your heart and see if God isn't speaking to you about your ways today. Whether you're here in this room watching online or listening through the podcast, God may be speaking to you that it's time to change. The fourth person that you'll find in the book of Proverbs is the wise Now, again, these guys aren't smarter. They're not more educated. They don't understand the Bible better. They're not necessarily just older. There's one quality that is important for our own lives, and it is this. Instruct the wise, and they'll be wiser still. 
Teach the righteous, and they'll add to their learning. So what's the summary of that? The wise are teachable. They're pliable. They're willing to learn. They are seekers of understanding. And that takes work. That takes work to seek understanding in areas of our lives where that's hard. Especially, man, when somebody makes a comment, right? We internalize it, we think about it, and instead of seeking understanding, we just fire back, right? Emotionally, we need to be seekers of understanding, willing to learn. Too many people value self and their independence. And honestly, that's not healthy. We all need God and others to speak into our lives so that we can be teachable. So here's a quick summary of all four people. Correct the simple, and they won't get you. Correct the fool, and they will ignore you. Correct a mocker, and they will hate you. Correct the wise, and they will thank you. They'll say thank you. In this series, my hope is to give you wisdom, not advice, but to give you God's wisdom for your life. And my hope is that if you'll apply it, you'll respond with a thank you. I I give a one-year challenge around here, and I say, listen, do everything that we're doing. Come be here on Sunday mornings when the doors are open. Join a group. Go through growth track. Get on a team. Come to prayer. Like, do, do whatever we do and give us a year of your life. And if you'll do that, I make a promise to you that your life will change, and it'll change for the better. I make that promise. And people have been taking that challenge. It's really cool. Within the last four or five weeks, I've had three people that said, Aaron, I've taken that challenge. My life has been transformed. I never thought, I never thought I could be someone who called themselves a Christian. I never thought that I could walk out my life with such, with, with such beauty and such grace that has come from knowing Jesus. They're forever changed. They're saying, thank you. Here's why. Because God's ways work if you'll apply it. You'll never know unless you try it. Truly. That's why scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like I can tell you all day long how good God is, but until you choose to take a bite and taste and see for yourself, you'll never know. You'll know through my experience, but you won't know for yourself. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to offer you five bits of wisdom. But I want to start right here, and this is the most important one. It's Proverbs 9.10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's why this is a good place to start, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, wisdom doesn't come into your life until you understand who he is. It just doesn't happen. Once you know him, what happens is you surrender your life to him. In other words, once you know who he is, what he's done, once you know his nature, you surrender and say, God, I'll give you control of my life. God, I, I, I give you everything, and I ask you to give me the life of Christ. Show me how to live. I, I'm, I've been messing this up. I absolutely 100% surrender. In response to knowing him, who he is, the only reasonable response is worship. Because as we worship him. We tell him how awesome he is. We tell him how great he is. We, we humble ourselves and focus on him, not on our problems, not on our issues, but on who he is. When you know who he is, you humble yourself. When you know who he is, you honor him. You take all of your life and point it towards him. When you know who he is, you respect him. 
Submit yourself to him when you know. And that's where it begins. That's where wisdom can come into your life because he's big, he's better, he's wiser than us, and he changes our lives for the better. Now, when we look at that verse, it says the fear of the Lord, and some of you are like, well, that's not very, that's not very uh, friendly talk, Aaron. That's kind of aggressive. Well, let me help you understand. The, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that you're afraid of him. That, that's not what the word means. Unfortunately, though, we've had this picture of God. We look at a verse like that, and, and we, we have this picture of God where, where we think he's angry at us. Unfortunately, there's been a whole lot of preaching and teaching that comes from these platforms where we tell people God's angry at them. Truth is, fear of future pain is a great motivator. And if people really believe that God was angry at them and that they're, they're, they're all going to go to hell, like right now, then, then they run, they flood altars and they say yes to Jesus. Here's the thing, though. While, while hell is a reality and heaven is too and God's love is great and there's forgiveness through Christ, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you surrendering and saying yes to God and being in your life for fire insurance because you don't want to go to hell. Like, like there's more to it than that. And preachers have made you believe that God is mad at you like we're sinners in the hands of an angry God. And that's just not who God is. He's not sitting up in heaven in a white robe with a long beard and a lightning bolt waiting to to zap you the second you do something bad. But many of us believe that in some way, shape, or form, that God is angry at us, but he's not. And that makes me sad because people continue to reject who God is. They reject his people because of their picture of God, that one false picture that they've held on to. But here's what's important that you understand is, is how you view God will determine your relationship with him. Like if you see him as harsh, then you will have a harsh relationship with him. But if you see him as loving, then you will have a loving relationship with him. Here's the thing, God's not angry. He's a loving, and I'm gonna say this word, father. And many of you have baggage attached to that that you don't want to look at, that you want to deal with because your father was sinful and maybe harmed you or used words that, that weren't uplifting or, or tore you down. Many of you have baggage attached to that, and so when you hear the word father, you don't think good things. But let me tell you something. A father loves you. A father provides for you. A father gives good gifts for his kid. A father is more interested in their character than he is their comfort of father wants the best for you. And our God is a loving father. He loves me and he loves you. He forgives me no matter what I've done. There's nobody that loves me that way. None of you love me that way. Not even my wife, not even my kids. Oh, they'll forgive me, but they don't love me the way God loves for me, unconditionally. There's nobody that loves me that way. There's nobody that loves you like that way, that way. That's why we need a right picture of who God is because it ultimately changes everything. And for us to have wisdom in our lives, we need the fear of the Lord that are found in three declarations that I'm gonna give you about who he is. Here's the first one. God is awesome. God is awesome. You know, there's nothing too big for God. 
I gave you one omni word, omniscient, which means he knows everything, but there's another one. It's omnipotent. That means he's all powerful. God can handle anything that comes your way. He is powerful. And in every single one of your situations, even if it feels like God is moving slowly, you know what? He's just on time. He's moving at, at the speed that he's supposed to. He is powerful. God is awesome. He does wonderful things. He's amazing. God is so awesome that Paul said, you know what? God's so awesome that if you can imagine or think something, God's so far beyond it. In fact, he said it to, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. That means if you could ever think something, God is light years beyond it. If you can imagine it, he's so far beyond us. His, his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. God is awesome. Do you know what the word awesome means? I know we say it a lot, and I think we've used it so much that we've kind of reduced down the meaning of it. But you know what? Awesome means awe-inspiring. It means that when we look at something in our lives, we see God moving we see what he's done, and it makes you go, oh, oh, this is awesome. God is awesome. David said this, let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. You know, I think many of us today have difficulty doing that because we're so distracted. We're so distracted that we never quiet ourselves and enable ourselves to take time to look, to look at what he's doing in our lives, to look at what he's doing in other people's lives, to look at what he's doing in our community, in our church, just to stop and look. I believe that if we did, we'd be in awe because he is awesome. You know, one thing that this week that I've been in awe at, many of you know we're going to Honduras here in June. And uh, we have 24 people going on this trip. We've, we've never taken that many people before. This trip is going to be awesome. See what I did there? I, I used the word we're talking about. Let's tie it in. And here's why I say that. Because 24 people are fully funded. These 24 people are going. We already had all the capital funds that we needed to do the work that the centers, the two centers in Honduras have asked us to do that we're going to go to. We already have it. But God's up to something. He's doing something incredible. And can I tell you what he's doing? He's provided enough funds for us to go down there that when we go, we not only are going to do the work that they ask us to do, but at both of the centers, we are going to build a computer lab for each one of them. Oh. See, I'm not certain you understand the value of that to kids that are impoverished that way. A computer opens up opportunities, a world to them for education, jobs, and more. And because of your generosity and what God is doing, I am in awe. Because a computer lab was nowhere on our radar. Like, we weren't even planning to do that. But God was. I'm in awe of what he's going to do. And I cannot wait to come back and share stories of what's going to happen in Honduras. But that feeling of awe is what begins wisdom. Isaiah said this, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. That means that, that infinity past, not like 100 years ago, but like infinity. Keep going to the past like forever. 
and then forever into the future, and this is who God is. He's everlasting. That messes with my head trying to think about that because I can only imagine and understand what we know. He's beyond that. He says he's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. God is awesome. And with that attitude and that heart, God begins to pour his wisdom into your life. Here's the second declaration is that God is holy. God is holy. Now, as your pastor, I want you to know that that God's plan for you, the number one thing he wants for you is for you to know him. But let me be very, very clear. God is not your contemporary. God is not your buddy in the way that you guys are equal. Does that make sense? God loves you and wants to fellowship with you, but he's not your equal and you're not his. That, that, That is not what's going on there. In fact, when it comes to the relationship, God owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. He's holy, set apart unto himself. He, he owes us nothing. In fact, he, he gave us everything that we ever needed in life, all found in Jesus. We don't need anything else from him. Doesn't owe us anything. David said this, exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. This is a posture of humility, understanding the nature of the relationship. In Hebrews 12, which is in the New Testament, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? It means that God is so powerful that if he wanted to, all of humanity, all of creation, all of the universe could be swallowed up. You thought Thanos was powerful. God don't even have to snap his fingers. All of it, gone. Now, that's not who he is. That's not his nature, but that's his capability. He is a consuming fire. And so, in our hearts, we need to raise the level of respect that we have for him because he's awesome and he's holy. And here's the last declaration, is that God is right. God is right. He's awesome, he's holy, he's right. And when your opinion, when your passions, when your emotions conflict with God's, he's right. (laughs) He's been right since the foundation of this earth, from even before. We don't like this part about him. We just don't. We're busy telling God what to do. We're, we're, we're being buffet Christians, right? We go to the buffet and we pick what we like and what we don't like. And we're like, God, well, I'm gonna have a little bit of this, but that's not so much for me. Like, like we like to cut out the parts of God that we don't like. But contrary to what culture is telling you, God is right. He's always right. And God doesn't change just because culture is changing. He's right. Check it out. Psalm 19 says this, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. That means it doesn't need to change. It doesn't need any updating. None of that. It's perfect. And there's a purpose to it. It revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. 
They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. <laughs> and church, listen to me. I know that was a whole lot of verse, but I need you to believe what, that ver- what those verses say about God. I need you to believe that God is right. And if you follow his ways, his ways work. So here's the whole message in one verse. Here it is, and I'll give you your little bit of wisdom. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Not when we're afraid of him, scared of him, but when we declare, God, you're awesome. God, you're holy. And no matter how I feel about this, you're right. The fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. So here's your little bit of wisdom for this week. Your little bit of wisdom number one is when I understand what it means to fear God, I can live fearlessly. I can live fearlessly. And so for those of you right now, you kind of know how things are gonna go. You've been here at this church for a while. You know that I'm gonna pray a prayer and then we're gonna do a few other things. Listen, just kind of put on your seatbelt for a second because we're gonna do something different. We were singing a song today, No One Higher than you. And I've asked Rachel to come back up and to lead us in this song, but it speaks these declarations that God is awesome, he's holy, and he's right. Lead us, Rachel. Would you join us as we sing? And Lord, we stand amazed in your presence. Astounded by your mercy and love Hands are lifted high in surrender Grace for me is always enough Sing this out There is no one higher than our God in this moment we just praise you we just lift your name there's no one higher than you Lord and we just surrender to you today we declare today that you are awesome 
you're holy, and that you're right. And God, as we make these declarations in our life, Lord, we pray that you would pour your wisdom into us because this is where it all begins. Thank you, Lord. Now, there are those of you today, these three declarations that I gave you, there's one you need to make before any of those make sense for you. And that's a declaration that Jesus is Lord of your life. Listen, I, I understand maybe all this is brand new to you, but you need to understand how much God loves you, how much he cares for you. You need to understand that you were never intended to carry the weight of your life on your own. That God wants to be a partner with you and carry that. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to make your life brand new. Jesus said he came to give a full and fulfilled life. That's what he promised for you. That's what he has. But you have to take a step, make a declaration and say, Jesus, I'm ready for you to be Lord of my life. I need you. I'm a sinner. Save me. And for those of you that are here today and you're ready to make that declaration, you can make it right there from your chair. You don't need to come up here or... You, you, I'm not going to have you say anything up front or anything like that. Just stay right where you are. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're ready to make that declaration today, I'll give you the words to pray in a moment. and We'll all pray together. But just so I know, if you're here today and that's the declaration you're going to make, would you, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking around. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to celebrate with you in a moment. So that's you. Say, Aaron, I'm ready today. Just slip your hand up. Church, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. And today I give you my life. And I ask that you give me yours. Forgive me of my sins. And make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. I declare you as Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.